Hi, it's Jasmine. You know, that girl who did you know what way before the internet ever existed. Join me and my special guest every week as we talk about anything and everything because nothing is too taboo. So punch your ticket and get on board the crazy train with me, Jasmine St. Clair. All aboard! Okay. So I imagine you'd be super easy to improv with because you've done a lot of stuff in comedy. Did you actually take classes for improv or anything like that? Well, I was kicked out of the groundlings. Uh, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I didn't wow. do a lot of improv, um, but uh, I enjoyed it. But it was kind of a uh, like a pyramid scheme. Like if you were good enough to advance, but the people above you and the next level didn't move on, then you had to take the class again. And uh, I was like, no, that's another $800, like, which I could afford, but, uh, you know, it just was like, felt a little scammy to me. So I got into stand-up full-time, which I'm happy. I'm better by myself than I am with a group of eight people. You mean like being in a cult? It is a little culty. Uh, so, um, but, you know, I'm into hot yoga now, which can be uh, cultish at times uh, in a good way, I guess. Yeah, I did Brownlings as well, but I preferred Second City maybe because like I made it all the way through to like grad review and writing sketches. But it's like it is like a cult. Like I saw the whole thing on Bikram yoga or hot yoga. Right which is kind of perverse in a way, but like, I don't know, like, do you get any material at all from, for your stand-up from doing yoga? Cause I'm sure there's some really crazy stuff that goes on. Oh yeah. I mean, it, there's, it's usually when people fart in class, um, which I mean, even though I'm 53, my sense of humor is very juvenile. Uh, and it happened just the other day, uh, you know, and there was a hot girl, like, you know, she looked like you and, and, <laughs> You know, we're all, I think, and uh, they call it uh, happy baby. So you're okay. Mm-hmm. basically on your back and you're grabbing your feet and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, you're spreading your legs, I guess, as best you can. And, uh, you know, your, um, I guess your anal region is, um, you know, it's wide open. So uh, a lot of air gets in there and, you know, that's how, I guess, a fart starts and, uh she farted really, really loudly, and it was, I started laughing, and, and the teacher was, you could tell he had a split-second decision to go, okay, how do I handle this? Everyone just heard this, and he's like, oh, don't worry about that, girlfriend. That's just the sound your back makes when it squeezes together on the mat, and uh, yeah. you know, he was trying to cover for her so she wasn't embarrassed, and uh, that's funny to me, stuff like that. I think it's funny, but like, at least you didn't have like anal sex the night before or something and like something else coming out of there, but that's a whole other story. You know, it's just, yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, that's, uh, you know, even though I'm a huge fan of yours and I know you haven't done a a film in a very long time. Uh, I actually do one right now. I'm joking. (laughs) Hello. Uh, I don't watch porn. Uh, just cause it like the close-ups to me are, are just like, um, and it's a joke. I, I, do on stage basically that I don't watch porn, even though it looks like I produce it. Um, Cause it's like, you're a beautiful, beautiful woman. And, and, Thank you. <laughs> uh, 
you know, you're pretty hot yourself, but like, yeah, I mean, I do my best. Uh, but like, I, you know, if you had say a, a scene with Lexington Steel or Jack Napier or who, you know, it, it just after a few minutes, the human body changes form. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> I guess. I mean, I've never worked with either of them, I'd like to say. But like the whole beauty of having a podcast is I could actually hit on my male guests when they're hot like you or like Seth Gamble and I can get away with it. It's like the beauty of it, because if I were in real life, I'm not going to hit on a guy in the street because I'm so shy. It's like disgustingly crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think so many comics love porn um, for their own reasons. Mm -hmm. You know, the group of guys that I that got me into comedy were all high level agents and managers. Uh, who are like, girl, you should get into stand up. You're the funniest people we know, or funniest person you know. And they had like gigantic clients, and uh, but they were all into porn, like, especially one guy who's who's the most successful one. He could not get hard <laughs> unless it was a huge black guy having sex with a, a, a daintyish white girl. Like, that, that was the only thing that could get him going. And uh, I, I was just like, uh, I'll watch a movie on. Cinemax or something, you know, I, I need stuff left to the imagination. Right. Well, with Cinemax, it's like such great acting anyway. I mean, <laughs> I mean, seriously, but I remember that you were in a show that a friend of mine was in. He actually, he made the best Richard Pryor, I think in history, uh, my friend Brandon. So you played Richard Pryor on a TV show. I'm dying up here. Oh, he was amazing. Yeah, wasn't he? I think he was like more Richard than Richard was himself. How many episodes were you in for that specific show? I was what they call a recurring character. I was um, only I was only supposed to be in like one to two episodes, but they liked me so much. Um, they would always give me a line or two uh, and just kept me going for about 12 episodes. Um, and it was a great show. I mean, I don't know if you've ever done a film where you thought, wow, this is going to be a big hit. Yeah. Uh, and it just, we never grabbed an audience, you know, and it's mind blowing to me why, because our, our first year, our lead in was Twin Peaks, which I never watched, but it's a very popular show. <laughs> and then our second year, our lead in was uh, Ray Donovan, which I was a huge and still am a huge fan of. Um, and it just, the number one complaint I got from my friends about the show was it's not that funny. It's like, well, it's a it's a drama. It's like, you know, if they did one about, say, uh, porn in the 80s, it wouldn't be funny. I mean, it, it, you know, it's a dark world, porn and comedy. You know, I think not. so. I mean, it's got its moments. I worked on The Deuce on the last season. I was really fortunate to be a part of that, which was fun. Um, but I saw I'm Dying Up Here. I thought it was great because it shows you the other side of comedy and like people fighting. Yeah for that spot at like the belly room. And, you know, I, I went to support a friend of mine who's a comic at the belly room. I ended up getting to a fist fight with the guy, but the thing <laughs> is I felt bad. Cause like it shows that side, like where you're, where you're really struggling for that. And then you have a guy living in a closet, you know, and that's, that's a thing. Like people living in closets while struggling to be in that. Um, how long have you actually done comedy? Has it been over a decade or something like that close to it? I've done it for so long. I, I literally can't answer the question with a 20 years. I, I would say around 22 years. I started maybe late 1999. Um, 
I lost. I got to take it to a sad part first. Uh, I lost both my parents two months apart in the late '98, and uh, I was like, "It's time to," you know, I'm 30 at the time, which is very late to start stand up. Um, I, I got to get off my ass, and you know, that was the boost I needed. Uh, so, and my friends, the ones who liked porn, and, and I should say like porn, not liked. Uh, they were all just get, dude, you're so funny. Get into the business. We'll help you. Just get your feet wet. And they literally all quit the business, uh, except for the one who likes the black guys <laughs> and the white girls. He's a, I don't want to give away too many hints as to who he reps, but he's very, very successful still. Um, so I, I struggled for probably, probably close to a decade because I was clueless and uh, how to, navigate the, the world of comedy which is it's really all not all but a lot of it is who you know um not who you blow okay that's your business or your old business uh, <laughs> not even i wish i wish it was that simple but yeah i mean i'm not a chuckle fuck uh, i'm not a chuckle fucker or i probably could have gotten around that whole circle of comedians but you know well i mean uh i i see some uh not not too many. I think there's one porn, and I don't know if it's right to call them porn stars. Like to me, you're a porn star, Jenna Jameson. Um, uh, yeah, I, I can name more guys more than I can women, which That's is okay. very bizarre. Uh, Jeff Stryker, you know, <laughs> you, you know, I only know of him because on Santa Monica and La Cienega, uh, they would put the billboards for his movies up, and uh, I was like who is that guy? I would ask like my sister and my sister was like, Oh, you're too young to know who Jeff Stryker is. He's an actor. Um, but I think her name is Sylvia Sage. Uh, I don't know if she's big or not, uh, in the business. And, uh, there's not too many porn actors. <laughs> Sorry, my dog's uh, it's okay. She sounds cute. Oh, she's the best. Uh, but it, I, I think it's a tough, crossover because um you know stand up is you know you're on stage for 20 minutes to an hour talking you have to be somewhat uh engaging where porn is i don't think it's a good training for stand up just because it's uh it's a different skill set yeah for sure i mean i don't think it's quite the same talent set any like that's just my personal opinion i mean i I went to all those improv classes and acting classes, but you know, I have a one woman show and I have to say, it's like the worst stage, right? It's one thing to be naked in front of a bunch of people getting nailed by like 300 guys or something. <laughs> then like <laughs> on the yes. world stage, then, you know, standing up there and really telling what your life story is. And it like, I think my biggest pet peeve is people thinking a one person show is comedy. It's like, no, it's not because then if it's all comedy, and you have people laughing the whole time, then it pulls out the just like the juice of your story than anything else. And the meat of like what's there that you have as a takeaway. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think a one woman show or a one man show, yeah. uh, you know, it's a lot like I'm dying up here. You know, it's not all going to be laughs. It's, it's going to be, you know, heartache. And, um, you know, I, I think porn stars and, and comics are similar in this regard that, I'm around so much death, uh, you know, in terms of, I would say three to five comics a year. I know die. Uh, 
uh, and I'm sure it's the same, or maybe even greater numbers in porn, just because it's, you know, uh, of some of the things you can, you know, catch, uh, you know. I don't know. Doing. Like, I haven't been around it in over 25 years, and I never really stayed in touch with anyone. But, like, when I was in it, I still like, consider myself like that. I'll tell you where I have lost a lot of friends was in pro wrestling. And it's yep. really a sad loss. Like, wrestling is probably one of the happier times of my life. But it's such a sad thing when you open up, like, the sheets, like, the wrestling sheets. Or, like, you go online, oh, New Jack passed away. Or, like, Balls Mahoney. And, like, you remember these people like slamming you around in a ring and stuff like that. And it's really, it's like the saddest part ever. And do you have a lot of like ties to comedians? Like you're really friends. Is it as close in community? I mean, uh, I'm, uh, I'm really well liked just because I think uh, mm -hmm. before I got any success in the business, most people were like, he still does it. He should have quit a long time ago, <laughs> but he kept going so that I'm respected. Oh, um, but I, I have a lot of friends in comedy, but I don't have a lot of close friends. Like if I, um, if I wanted to kill myself uh, for whatever reason, I don't know who I would call to be like, "Hey, I'm I'm close to losing it. Can can we talk?" Uh, I don't know if I have a friend I would call like that. Um, but I'm such a huge wrestling fan that, uh, and I wrestling and comedy have a lot in common. I always say. That, Comedy is like wrestling without the working out um, for most of us. Uh, and like I cried more when Roddy Piper died than I think I did at my dad's funeral, uh, just because. <laughs> and I don't know what that says about me, uh, but I had started to co-host Roddy's podcast yeah. um, because I think one night he was in the comedy store and I was on stage talking about my favorite pro wrestler, I don't know if you know him or not, is Sting. Yeah. Um, and uh, so he had gone to the WWE. Uh, he was like the last guy to never go there because he's like a reborn Christian. And he's like, I'm not getting involved in like a brawn panties match. I've I, I found God. Uh, <laughs> but he finally went there and they really fucked him over. Uh, you know, they had um, who beat Triple H beat him at WrestleMania, which never should have happened. Uh, so they really, I think that was Vince McMahon saying, oh, you were the last guy to never come here. Well, fuck you, buddy. This is what we're going to do to you when you are here. And uh, I was angry. <laughs> like That's how <laughs> into wrestling I am. And Roddy heard me on the stage. He's like, why don't you come on and talk about this? You seem pretty angry. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and then it went so well that uh, time I went, his manager was like, hey, why don't you be his co-host? Because Roddy, at that point, um, and I'm not making fun of him when I say this, uh, he would lose track of, um, you know, he would be talking about, say, uh, Hulk Hogan. And then in the middle of the story, he would just jump to a Carrie Von Eric story. Uh, and they were like, why don't you help when he does that, guide him back to the Hulk Hogan story? And uh, so we became really good friends. So when he passed, um, I was pretty sad and and I get sad now when they you know when like a guy like Rick Rude died I cried and uh and um I mean so many wrestlers die as you know it, it it's it seems depressing. like and it's you know like I met I see you have a new jack shirt on uh yeah I, I um 
was hosting a show once at a bowling alley in um, Hollywood, Lucky Strike, the, the bowling alley that's on, uh, it's pretty famous. Uh, and they had a comedy show there and New Jack was in the front row. And uh, he's, a, as you know, a pretty intimidating guy. You know, he's, he just doesn't really laugh a lot. And uh, as the show ended, he grabs me by the shirt and goes, you a funny motherfucker. And he just headbutts me. And, and, it hurt like it's, but i couldn't do anything because i know he could kill me uh yeah so it's like oh thanks man I'm a, I'm a big fan i loved when you uh threw vic grimes off the scaffold and he's like fuck that motherfucker and i'm like okay uh, nice to meet you new jack so but he's another one you know you know it's just uh death happens so much in comedy wrestling and porn that i i don't even get sad anymore you know, uh, yeah, I get but, it. Uh, but I feel bad that I, you know, like uh, I had a friend, I think two months ago, he was a pretty popular local comic. He had a great story. He moved here from Canada, lived in his car, um, got a job as a door guy at the comedy store, which is a big deal, you know, because they, they don't hire just anybody now. You have to be a funny comic to even uh-huh. get the job. And, uh, you know, he committed, I think, suicide in Mexico and people started calling me and I was sad for about five minutes. And then I said to my fiance, uh, what are we eating for breakfast? Like, I, it was yeah. so like, like, oh, OK, another one gone. Uh, like you get down to, to it, right? Yeah, I know you, you really do. And that, that makes me sad because it, it's like when it first started happening, I'd get really sad for like days and, and weeks sometimes if I if I knew the person. And now it's, uh, you know, like Ralph, when Ralphie May died, uh, sad for about an hour. It, it wasn't shocking with Ralphie just because he had the body of Abdullah the Butcher. You know, he's probably oh 600 pounds. Oh. And so it's like, well, it's not really surprising he died. You know, he's, he's fucking 600 pounds. Um, so, um, it's just sad because they put their lives like the wrestlers, especially like, I see what they put themselves through. I've been in the back. I see them like after they're done, you know, we call it gigging when, you know, just when they cut themselves and all the shit that goes on. And it's really just, it's like, you put your body on the line for the sake of entertainment. And it's also an adrenaline rush. We're all adrenaline junkies to some degree. Um, you know, and then you just, this, this shit happens, you know, and you get your, you get these fans out there that are as twisted as we are for doing this, then, you know, it's like, what's it for in the end of the day? You know what I mean? And as a comedian and an entertainer, cause you've done acting as well. What do you want your mark to be? Like once you, you know, pass away, not that you're going to pass away tomorrow. I'm just asking. Okay. Well, I am 53. I'm no spring chicken anymore, but. <laughs> I thought you were younger. Seriously, I thought you were like oh. 35. I mean, I spend a boatload of product on uh, La Mer moisturizer, which is like <laughs> hundreds of dollars a bottle. Yeah. And I don't mean to brag like, hey, I got, I'm rich. But, no, you know, it's I, an investment. Yeah. I mean, since I uh, don't, I've never had a drink or done a drug in my life, like not even one time. So, uh, you know, I spend probably more money than I should on leather jackets and custom leather pants. And sometimes I wish I did drugs. It would be a cheaper, uh, <laughs> it'd be cheaper to live. But uh, in terms of my, I, I just want to make people laugh. I want someone 
who maybe lost their parents to come to a comedy show or, or a bad breakup or, um, you know, they, they got a cancer diagnosis. Uh, that happened once at, at the store. This lady came up to me afterwards crying and I thought she was offended by something I said. And she's like, you know, I, I just uh, got a diagnosis of, uh, I think, liver cancer and, and I needed to laugh tonight. And uh, so then I started crying in the middle of the comedy store hallway. Uh, so I just want to make people feel good. You know, it's, it's a pretty uh, wacky world we're living in, uh, in, in this era, certainly. Um, and I, I think a lot of people coming out of the pandemic, you know, they've been cooped up for two years now. Uh, and they're almost socially, they've forgotten how to interact socially. Yeah. So I figure if I can have a night of laughter for people who not had much to laugh at the last few years, then I'm good with my legacy. Uh, so, but my, I feel bad sometimes because like, I remember when I used to go to XPW shows, um, which one the pancake i'm sorry i was distracted these two guys they never mind they look never mind uh yeah right they look strange um but which xpw like which era the post jasmine era or the <laughs> i don't think you were there yet i remember because i used to uh this is kind of a six degrees of it's the only way to explain the story but my sister one time told me earl you should get your hair cut by my friend dd and I'm like, I'm like an idiot. I'm like, why do they call her Dee Dee? Yeah. Uh, you'll see when you meet her. And she had these enormous, like, gigantic boobs. But she was a great stylist. She was an amazing haircutter. And she was dating a guy by the name of Josh Lazy, who I think. Oh, I know Josh. I introduced him to Rob Black. So then it was after, it was post Jasmine, because then I was in ECW at that point. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. So, yeah. and I think. I'm trying to remember the exact relationship. Josh was best friends with Sabu. Yep. And uh, so we would go to, uh, I think I went to about four or five uh, pay-per-views and, and pretty big cards. Um, and I was like, the one card I went to at Birmingham High, it was, you couldn't fit a person in this arena. It was so packed. And um, Supreme, who, you know, is another. Yeah. Uh, another one of our comrades who, who has passed he i saw him almost die twice uh that night why um, i didn't well i didn't know what happened at the show but well they loosely covered it in dark side of the ring uh oh the, yeah okay yeah Here but they had set up the ring um where uh three sides there were ropes and then the one side did not have ropes uh and i remember they were doing this stunt where he is climbing a ladder and he's supposed to, I think, jump on Rob Black. And the, the side that he was uh, jumping from was the one with no ropes. And I remember them setting up the ladder going, that doesn't look very stable. And if you're going to put anyone on that ladder, it would it should be the gay wrestler. I don't know if he was gay in real life, but he, he played the gay character Angel. Yeah. He was probably 140 pounds or something. <laughs> and you know supreme at that time had to be easily 350 if you said 400 i wouldn't be like no and so he gets up on the ladder and it of course collapses <laughs> and he fell uh like like right below the nipple line 
uh, on the edge of the ring with no yeah. ropes and it Died. he literally didn't move for 15 minutes and the girl next to me is crying and i'm like oh are you a big fan and she was like no that's my husband i'm like oh uh, and they had a little kid um and so she goes down to the ring i, I mean I, I really thought he was dead and then of course he gets up and they start setting up another line i'm like this they can't be he's not gonna no they're gonna the sandman's gonna come out or something <laughs> so this stunt and i know this is kind of a long-winded story but no, it's a good i mean people need to know <laughs> yeah i mean this it, it and the point is i feel bad for liking this stuff because here this guy's almost going to die twice for my fucking entertainment uh they set up an even taller ladder in the ring i'll guess it was at least 50 feet and i think the stunt was they had set up a table of uh broken lights barbed wire you know the usual xpw type table yeah uh, outside of the ring and i think the planned stunt if they even planned it was he was supposed to fall on that table um so of course i think it was rob black pushed him put or pushed the uh he got up to the uh top of the ladder did yeah. not break but it was wobbling like this <laughs> and rob pushed him he overshot the table and just hits the cement floor. It's a high school gym. And uh, Ouch. It, and his wife once again starts crying. And then Supreme gets up and the whole crowd went nuts. And uh, I think I asked her, hey, if you don't mind me asking, like, you don't have to tell me the, the amount, but like, how much is he getting paid for tonight? And she said something like, oh, 250 cash. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's 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 like indie wrestling. And oddly enough, we have a show in XPW in Pomona on April 9th where we're having a King of the Death match tournament. And we'll, we'll, I'm back working for Rob again. I mean, despite like the shitty like terms I left on, you know, being, you could never really say never to most things. I could say never to porn unless the guys look like you or like certain people. But um, yeah, so I don't you know, it's it's really it's very. It's a touching story, but it's a very uh, touching event, if that means like it sounds really cheesy, but it's a very it, it touches a lot of us in our hearts because a lot of us knew Supreme and yeah. he helped put XPW on the map as well with um extreme wrestling it was like ecw on steroids is what i always call it uh i did see that episode of dark side of the ring at one point i did shut it off because i got pissed off about what they were saying about rob black and i just shut it off <laughs> uh, no i mean i uh i when people ask me about xpw like it's so hard to i say it's like ecw with less planning and, and less, yeah. function. <laughs> less functionability <laughs> So now I mean, we know what you do in your, your time off as you watch wrestling. Yeah, no, because it, it's a good uh, stand up is a very stressful business. And, you know, it's not a very funny business, too. It's a lot of behind the scenes bullshit. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, you know, I've gotten fucked over on several TV shows that I helped start. And I was like, oh, man, this business sucks. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so wrestling is like my male soap opera, you know, type of escape fantasy like i know it's i don't like saying it's fake i know it's predetermined yeah it's, pre it's choreographed exactly and i respect you for saying that it's like did you see that guy's body hit the freaking floor or the goddamn ring okay so then tell me how the hell it's like fake 
You know, you get in there. Let me see you get dropped on your head. Let me see you get like picked up by these big guys and get thrown around all weekend, which is like some sick thing I have in the back of my mind, which I think is great. I like it. So maybe that's why I'm still single. But (laughs) all these crazy things. I mean, it's do you have any comments or any type of like input or um, I should say opinions on a lot of the younger comics that are around uh, like at the comedy store? Because I, I stopped going. I watch Vonda Carlo. She's an excellent female comic and Aline, uh, Janine. But some of these girls, man, when they get up there, it's like, I don't want to hear about your uncle, like allegedly finger banging you or some shit. And I don't want to hear dick jokes. Like, do you have any opinion on younger comics these days that do this? I mean, I don't think they've had to work as hard uh, because, um, you know, this generation, I sound old saying, you know, back in my day, uh, (laughs) but I think now it's easier to get your 15 minutes of fame uh, with TikTok. Um, And back in the day, uh, I'm dating myself, but Vine, Periscope, uh, you know, where you can build an instant fan base off of a stupid video. And that's great. You know, like I have a friend of mine who they uh, were not getting a lot of work as a comic, but mm-hmm. they blew up on TikTok and now they headline all over the country. Uh, and she doesn't have, and I'm not saying it because it's a girl. There's a lot of unfunny oh, guys, <clears throat> you know, uh, but she doesn't have 10 minutes of stand-up like uh and she's now being asked to do half hour 45 minutes hour um and so it's not going well for her but the clubs (laughs) you know it's a cutthroat you know uh it's a cutthroat thing where the clubs they don't care if she's funny or not she's getting people in the seats and they once they get the two drink minimum it's like hey hopefully she's funny but if not we already got the money so um but the problem with that is, you know, you can fool an audience once and, you know, you're not going to get them back in there a second time, which is where you make the money. Uh, you know, I, I've seen it with um, not porn stars, but uh, mm. like 80s video vixens, uh, which I'm. Oh, yeah, of course. I love, of I love those videos. My God, I always oh. wanted to be an 80s video vixen when I was a kid. Oh, um, who did? I mean, I know it was awesome. Uh, but you know, I've seen a few of them, um, get into comedy. Everyone thinks they can do comedy. Mm-hmm. It's the last, someone, one of my friends said it's the last step to total failure. Like, um, ah. and I get what they, I get what they were saying. Like, you know, like you've got, uh, pe- actors who've been me too out of Hollywood, uh, <laughs> like Jeremy Piven, who, you know, he, he got kicked off his TV show for whatever reasons. Yeah. And then, Oh, I'll just get into stand up. Um, you know, and then you've got, uh, musicians and, and, uh, you know, failed athletes, you know, who, who are either they're retired or they're failed athletes. Uh, Oh, I'll just, I'll just get into comedy. And I think the only group I've seen be successful at jumping are pro wrestlers because yeah. Um, I have opened up for a few of them, like Jake Roberts. Uh, He is the most amazing storyteller I've, like, even if you don't know, like, you could tell that some of the crowd did not know. He he told this great Rick Rude story. Uh, He told a great, uh, 
was it um brutus beefcake story <laughs> and you don't even have to know who those two guys are but the way he tells the story is so captivating and you could tell that he's he's lived a lot like you know he just one look at his face and i don't mean through scars but no i i don't mean that i i mean like it's okay you know, no, i know what you mean it's 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 totally fine it's like the he's milked it you could tell by the face and the you know just the the intensity I think. Are you frozen? Hello. He's uh, doing fairly good at stand up because um, he's a good looking guy. And, yeah. You know, I, I think his shtick is kind of funny. Hey, I get a lot of chicks, man. <laughs> Look at me. Like he's doing almost a, a cocky character. Um, so it's funny that, you know, wrestlers are, are the only ones I think that because they're used to performing in front of a crowd. Um, yeah. Uh, although one time, you know, the wrestler, John Morrison. Yeah, actually, he's kind of I'll tell you the story after. But he and um, Heel Ziegler are the reasons I got. I actually learned about Second City because I met Heel Ziegler at UCB. We're an improv three together. Oh, OK. And he had uh, me host his um, Flying Chucks thing one night. And then I oh, this is cool. How Second City is. And I love Wayne's World. Then um they said, you know, you should, someone said, oh, you should have a one woman show. And I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck that is. I don't really think I'd be good at it. And I suffer from stage fright, which I do. But yeah. So what about John Morrison? He was doing comedy. So I, I met him at Second City. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was doing, um, he was trying to break in, I think, when I first met him. And he's such a nice guy. Uh, yeah. And I was on that show, uh, Roast Battle, which is. Um, which one? Competitive. It's called Roast Battle. And okay. it's, oh, yes, it's, yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's basically two people on stage and they tear each other apart. Um, and he wanted to do one against me. And I said, listen, man, this was at the time it was in the belly room and it was a very ECW-like uh, energy in that room because the crowd loved it. Um, you know, and it's basically bullying the show. It, it's... You know, okay, how do I make fun of Earl for being old? And then I'm looking at the person going, how do I call her a whore? Um, mm -hmm. How do I hurt her before she hurts me? Um, yeah. And I, John wanted to do it. I'm like trying to explain it to him. Hey, man, you know, this is a wild show, bro. And like, I'm going to say things I don't mean about you, but like, you better be ready. And he's like, Earl, I've wrestled in front of 75,000 people before. I'll be ready. And you could tell, he might not admit this, but when, as soon as he got on that stage that night, he was shitting in his pants. <laughs> because it was just like such a different um, energy. Like the crowd wanted blood. And I ended up beating him, but we uh, I told him beforehand, I was like, hey, listen, if this battle starts getting out of hand, because I had a feeling I would kill him. Yeah. Let's do this sketch uh, where... And my girlfriend at the time was sitting in the front row. I said, when this battle starts going bad, I'm going to ask her to marry me. And she's going to get up. She's going to act like she's going to kiss me. And then she kisses you instead. And then you give me a stone cold stunner. And that's, and it's funny. And this goes to the respect I have for wrestlers. He said, Earl, that's great. I'm a good actor. It'll look amazing. Whatever you do, when I give you the stone cold stunner, don't turn your head because yeah. my knee's coming up. And of course, I was so fucking scared because 
I don't know if you've ever felt his body before, but he is a brick. Like he, <laughs> he's just like a, a superhero. Like he, his body is just like, like unlike anything I've ever felt before. It's so rock hard muscle. I got scared. And of course I turned my head <laughs> and he almost knocked me unconscious because his knee just hit me right in the temple. And, but the crowd thought I was faking it. So they loved it. But, um, you know, it's comedy. It, it, the whole point of that long-winded story is that not everyone can do comedy. And not that Roast Battle is comedy per se, but it, it's a performance uh, art. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like I probably couldn't wrestle. Um, yeah, you can. Anyone can wrestle. I mean, you have backyard wrestlers, people doing it in like bars. You could totally wrestle. Like you, anyone can do anything they want to in this lifetime. And one thing I've noticed is there are a lot of failed comedians who become cult leaders. I'm not saying Del Close was like a failed comic and he became a cult leader. So there was like the seed in Ohio and that guy, he was a failed comic as well. Well, the guy that started Synanon, he was a failed comic. So I'm just saying there's other, there are other things people could do once they fail at comedy, (laughs) but you could still be a cult leader and a successful comic. Well, I mean, I, I think uh, some comics become cult leaders because if you're a good comic, you can't captivate a crowd. Like, and it is a pretty powerful feeling. Uh, you know, like the other night, uh, I had to follow Dave Chappelle. Oh, the, man. <laughs> I was shitting my pants. Um, here's the greatest comic of our generation, arguably. Um and he only did about 10 minutes. Usually he does two hours minimum. I mean, so when I saw him go on stage, I was next. And he went on stage. I started to leave because I thought, oh, he's going to do two hours. Uh, and then the manager came out running to me, going, Earl, get on stage. He just got off stage. He, I'd never seen him do 10 minutes. Like, it's like, uh, it's like you think a 500-person gangbang is going to go on all night, mm-hmm. and then after the second guy it's like okay we're we're done we got what we needed yeah Um, so i go running on stage and it's packed main room uh and it had an ecw like energy in the room because they had just seen the greatest comic of all time and i knew i had one joke to get them (laughs) if i did not get them with the one joke i was done and they were going to leave so it's actually a porn related joke i'm like wow following dave Chappelle. I feel like a Chinese guy following Lexington Steel in a gangbang. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not like the greatest joke, but it, it's, I think the visual of that and, and the crowd just bursted out and almost a standing ovation. And that feeling that I got them now, I can do whatever joke I want and I'm the king of this room. It's powerful. Like, um, so I get why there are some cult leaders who dabble and stand up and vice versa. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'm like a cult member, like a mid-level, like an upper level cult member at this time. Just like, it's this inside joke I had with a friend when we were at Second City and like, however high up you got and like, however many friends you actually brought into this whole thing to like join Second City and like do improv, just up you one on the level of cult, whatever cult levels. I don't know. Just see, I, I'm fascinated by cults, if you can't tell already. Um, so what do you, what are your thoughts on Dave Chappelle anyway, with the whole Netflix thing? Cause I love Dave. I mean, Oh, he's great. I mean, Nothing could offend me. Yeah. I think, 
you know, I don't, you know, I have friends like him who might come off as homophobic, you know, like, like my brother would, uh, he's this big strapping macho man. Uh, he looks like a pro wrestler, which is funny because when he was, um, in his early twenties, he would get into nightclubs because people thought he was Tom Cruise. Like he's, he, he was a model in his uh, late teens and early twenties. I mean, he was a beautiful, is a beautiful dude, but now he looks like hillbilly Jim. He's just got the big beard and, uh, probably 350 and uh he would never come to west hollywood uh because he just felt um, that's where i live uh and i live in the heart like some people they say oh i live in west hollywood i'm like where do you live uh la brea and sunset that ain't west hollywood mm -hmm. um i am basically on the corner of san vicente and santa monica boulevard that is the heart um and my brother just you know, he wasn't homophobic. He just felt uncomfortable in the in the neighborhood because it's it's a wild. As you know, you've been around this yeah, area many it, times. You know, you'll see guys walking around in thongs, and uh, there's this one. <laughs> he's a dude who dresses in drag. He rides a bicycle up and down the boulevard, and I don't know how it's legal what he wears, but he's got tits. Like he's he's not fat, but he's he's somehow. And they're they're not fake. They're just they got to be D cups. Like he's just uh, I don't think he works out. So he's just got these natural tits, and he 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 wears like a, a string bikini basically, and he goes up and down the boulevard. And someone told me he's just some rich dude who just likes the attention. Um, so my brother's just uncomfortable around stuff like that. I'm not like I'm on the gayest street. <laughs> in the world and i'm the straightest guy you'll ever meet in your life um i think that's what Chappelle is i i don't think he's had a lot of exposure i don't know because i don't know much about his background in terms of his upbringing but i'll guess he just didn't have a lot of exposure to uh trans people um, mm -hmm. you know a gay, gay neighborhood so i i think it's more he's uncomfortable than he doesn't like them um but I'm that opinion is based solely on the surface of things I see. And, and, uh, you know, like I'm, I was raised, uh, I was a mama's boy. So, uh, where were you raised? I was raised in Bel Air, which is, that's oh. a whole nother podcast, but, uh, yeah, trust me. I know the area very well. Ugh. I mean, it's I mean, a beautiful area, but I, I know that I know the type. Well, I was, you know, my, uh, it's a long winded story to get back to, uh, you know, the Chappelle question, but uh, my dad bought a home in, in the canyons of Bel Air in the early 60s when it was Bel Air was no nicer neighborhood than, say, Culver City. And that's yeah. not a knock on Culver City. It's no, well, that's all hipsterized, but yeah. Yeah, but, you know, the Culver City that you and I grew up with, it's just a uh -huh. regular uh, lower, not lower class, uh, lower income. Yeah. Uh, working man neighborhood and, and Bel Air was that, but just a canyon. And uh, there was the famous Bel Air fire in the, in the sixties where every home was burnt down, but my dad's like, he literally, my dad was a wild man. He, he literally was on the roof with a garden hose. Uh, I just bought this home. We ain't going anywhere. Um, and then Bel Air grew up to be, you know, like my neighbors were uh, 
O.J. Simpson, uh, <laughs> Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, James Kahn, the actor, uh, Harry Nielsen, the songwriter. Like we were like the Adams family of Bel Air. Um, you know, we our house. Well, it was a nice house, but we didn't fit in with Sylvester Stallone's house right down the street. Um, mm. And my mom was a uh, she's a bit of a homebody, but she was a very fashionable woman. So her her hairdresser, who was gay, came to the house. Her nail lady, lesbian, came to the house. Uh, her stylist, very gay, came to the house. So I was raised around gays and uh, uh, African Americans as a kid. So I'm very comfortable living in West Hollywood. And so I'll guess that. Um, you know, Chappelle didn't grow up in that type of environment. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I really think it's how you were raised. And, uh, you know, on the surface, it may seem, oh, you don't like this group of people. It's just, no, you're just uncomfortable around them. Yeah, that happens. I mean, I don't know. I was raised around everyone. I grew up in New York City. So it's like you see anything and everything, seriously. But yeah, that's a very uh, diverse area of West Hollywood. No one ever said it like that about Dave. I just felt like they attacked him so much. It was just like, come on, like, leave him alone. It's like, he's well, not yeah. that bad. I, I mean, like I just think, uh, well, he's too big to get canceled. <clears throat> yeah, that's so, for sure. That's the funny thing to me is, and, and you see it right now with Joe Rogan, you know, people going after him. Uh, you're not going to cancel him you're, no. in the weirdest way. You're making him stronger. Like, you know, you could get him kicked off Spotify tomorrow. He's already got another offer from, I think, uh, some company called Rumble, where the owner's just this filthy rich billionaire. He's like, I'll give you a hundred million to come to Rumble, and and so he's already got offers if he gets kicked off. Uh, it's and, a conservative site, I think, a conservative network. Oh, okay, and Getter and all that stuff. Then I know someone else who has a bipartisan podcast that I'm a commentator on like weekly. And um, they think they too are like whining and dining Joe Rogan. So it must be nice to be Joe right now. Yeah, no, or Chappelle. I mean, you could get all his specials pulled off of Netflix and there'll be some billionaire or Amazon or Hulu or, or some rich company. Hey, Netflix doesn't want you. We do. Here's a hundred million. We'll take all your specials or make us five more specials. And, um, yeah. I mean, some people are just uncancelable. Uh, you know, look at Hulk Hogan on a much lesser degree. You know, he's on tape saying the N-word. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I couldn't you know, believe that. <laughs> to his daughter, you know, I don't want you dating, you know. Uh, and he didn't get canceled. Like, WWE brought him back. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I think that when you the cancel culture now is there it's almost having the reverse effect of you're making these people stronger yeah it's you know, scary to see like what they'll think of next you know to try to cancel people and all that stuff it's just it's a whole other thing you know yeah i mean it's i mean i think it ultimately depends on who who it is they're trying to take down and, and you know if you have a big enough fan base you can survive anything you know oh, like sure um Look at, uh, I, I watched the, I didn't want to watch it, but uh, the, um, we need to talk about Cosby documentary. Like, oh yeah. Uh, I, I, mean, love Cosby, though. I love him. You know? I mean, I, I was a fan, but I, you know, I, I'm, you know, I, in that particular uh, 
subject, I'm like, hey, all 60 girls weren't lying. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> um, you know it's like I did comedy shows with Ron Jeremy. Uh, yeah, me too. Well, I didn't do comedy, but he would open up for me right. before I was feature dancing. We traveled together for about a year. And, and just for the record, I never worked with him. So he never had his penis anywhere near me. Thank God. But like I was around him a lot. I've been with him a lot to the rainbow and I'd see these gorgeous girls like throwing themselves at him and taking photos. There were like men that would pay him $20 just to have his penis in their wives' mouths. Yeah, I'm good on that. But uh, yeah, I'm sure, but, you know, if he survives, I don't think he is. But, no. <laughs> you know, there's just too many, you know. If it's one or two people, yeah, okay, maybe they're maybe they're gold diggers, or maybe they got together and said, "Let's take them down." But when it's yeah. like thirty, it's like, uh, okay, I, I don't think all thirty are lying. Um, uh, you know, I don't but, know. Like, I just know one of the girls, and I know she had a severe drug problem. So, I mean, I don't know what the extent of it is. Like, I just don't want to be called to give like any type of. Um, statements because yeah. i was there for one of those things and it's not what the other side's saying and i'm not defending a rapist but it just one thing i'll say about him is he knew how to save his money <laughs> yeah because he didn't spend it <laughs> yeah he didn't get married aha he didn't he didn't go into this whole thing but yeah i mean he's probably canceled like for sure it's going to be a very um <clears throat> interesting thing but he looks like death the last photo i saw of him he looked like a yeti with a mask on or like one of those remember those old cartoons like what was it broom hilda or uh wow. yeah or captain caveman that's what he looks like now i but i mean if he got out by some miracle yeah you know he's innocent on all 40 charges like mm -hmm. probably not likely I guarantee that someone would work with him. Some some porn company yeah. would be like, there's money to be made. Let's do a porn about uh, where it's a gangbang and, and the 30 girls are the accusers and, and oh. Ron gets his revenge. Or No, I mean, it, it, I'm trying to come up with some just insane scenario. It's a great but, one, though. I think you should be writing porn part-time, like under a different name. I, I mean, I, I did porn, or I did porn. I did comedy once in a gangbang, uh, and I had no idea what the gig was. The guy, I was very early on in the stand-up, maybe 2000, 2001. I didn't have five minutes of comedy, uh, but this guy saw me at some shitty open mic. He's like, hey, do you want to make $2,500? Uh, I'm like, doing what? Stand-up. I'm like, what's the gig? And he wouldn't tell me. He was a little suspicious with the details. He's like, it's in Van Nuys, which should have been a red flag. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like Hatteras and uh, Ventura or something. Uh, and he was like, well, it's a guaranteed crowd. And it's about an hour's worth of work. And it's 2500 bucks in cash. And I didn't tell him, like, hey, dude, I've only been doing this for a little while. I was like, 2500 bucks in cash. Uh, even though I didn't necessarily need the money, I was like, that's a lot of money. Um, so I show up to this, look like a warehouse type of deal. And there's this gigantic black dude <laughs> who's a security guy. And I'm like, this is gig is weird. And he looks at me and goes, are you the comic? I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's, I'm like, where's, where do I go? He's like, just go in there. So I open up the door, long story short. And I just see like hundreds of dudes. At least it seemed like hundreds of dudes in their underwear 
<laughs> and there's a stage big enough to fit a mattress uh-huh. and, and a microphone. And the guy's like, get up there, start doing comedy. I'm like, I want to get paid first. So he literally takes out the biggest stack of hundreds that I've ever seen and <laughs> peels off 25 hundreds, gives it to me. And I start, I'm like, I started to put it together. Like, I'm not the smartest guy, Jasmine. So I'm like, what's going on here? Uh, why is there a mattress on this stage? And this girl what comes out, very diminutive, you know, looks to be about your size, you know. Uh, you know. And uh, so, you know, I was like, this is, the, I was like mind blown at what, what was going on here. And uh, they had like a, a shot clock like you'd see in the NBA and the guy sets it up to 10 seconds. I guess they were trying to go for your record or, or the Houston 500. And, yeah. And, and so each guy got 10 seconds. Only 10 seconds. Jesus. That's so cheap. And I'm supposed to be doing stand up, And so I basically the, the, the boss was like, Hey, you just got to entertain the guys waiting in line so they don't get bored and leave. Oh. So they learned from mine what happened. Okay. Yes. And I'm not trying to bring those memories back. No, but. no, it's okay. No, I mean, basically my show. Well, yeah, there's not to interject, but yeah, my one woman show is a weird kind of fame and that does get brought up. But so let me hear this stuff. So, so now you were supposed to keep the, you're supposed to be like a fluffer in a way, right? Yeah. Just to keep the guys <laughs> entertained so they wouldn't leave. And uh, they had like a half time, I think, <sighs> I don't know, at around a hundred, I, I could tell the girl probably was new. Um, it's just a hunch. I'll, I'll just say that. Um, a little green, what they say in the world of comedy. Someone's green. Yeah. Uh, I don't <clears throat> I don't know if this was quite what she had signed up for. <laughs> um, so, but we had developed a weird bond because I think she looked at me and I, I was a pretty big guy back then, muscle-wise. Uh she looked at me as like, okay, this guy's cool. He's literally the only guy in the room not trying to fuck me. Uh, so we go to craft services, which I don't know what they're like in porn usually, but this was basically Altoids and douching products. Yeah. Um, and she starts crying. And I'm like, are you okay? Like, I, I'm not trying to, I think I even said, listen, I'm not going to try and fuck you. You can, you can talk to me. Like, are you good? <laughs> and she's, she's like, well, my doctor says I have to cut it down to three anal scenes a week or my ass will explode. And <laughs> Oh, Jesus Christ. And uh, that was my first paid comedy gig. Was That's a- amazing. So your first gig was a gangbang. And well, not to you know make it like you were doing anything, like taking it in the pooper or whatever. But so your first gig was at a gangbang doing comedy. Did you just want to give up comedy from then? Like, what the fuck am I doing here? I was just like, uh, I don't know if this business is for me. Because um, I felt bad for the girl. And, you know, uh, I felt bad for the dudes who were like, it, the visual I'll never get out of my mind. of just like, uh, you know, it, I don't know how many guys there were. I think the, there was an Enron accounting method here that, I think they said it was like 700 dudes were in the room, but it was like, oh, I think there was a lot of dipping, <laughs> you know, there's like guys going back. I'm like, wait a minute, this guy was up here 20 <laughs> minutes ago. Uh, so, uh, but I, I can't get the visual out of my mind. It's t- and that's uh, 20, 
one years ago and i can remember like it was two seconds ago uh so uh you know that was my first paid comedy gig and then uh that's probably another reason i don't like porn it's just the i don't know that was my introduction into the filmmaking business uh of of adult films uh and that's although my faith that's we have that in common we're both at a gangbang yeah, but you were in it. I was just uh, around it. Uh, this big, you know, which is funny because my favorite movie of all time, like mainstream movie, is a movie called 52 Pickup, which is yeah. uh, with Roy Scheider and uh, Anne Margaret. Like, uh, but it's based around porn. Like, uh, I, I think it was Roy Scheider cheats on his wife and the, and the blackmailers are uh, three guys in the porn industry. Uh so it was. Uh, it's funny that even, I and mean, I'm certainly not anti-porn. I, I'm just for the reasons stated. I, I just never got into it. Like my friends, uh, that my favorite, like mainstream movie is is porn. Like Boogie Nights is probably my second favorite. Movie. I love that movie. It was so great. I just I loved it. I thought it was amazing. And I like Nina Hartley in that. It was so funny. I just. I mean, I um, I think it's great. I hope they make a movie based upon Chuck Palahniuk's snuff because he wrote that character based upon me. Um, if you actually read it, it's weird because then you have people writing about you. You don't really realize like what it is to like years later, twenty five years later, and people still remember this one stupid thing. Um, but yeah, you don't do the same. You can't do the same trick twice. So you'll never see me in another gangbang. That's for sure. Um, well, I mean. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm I'm seeing comics work around the phrase "never say never." Like, if someone comes up to you, and obviously you're at the point in your life where you don't need to necessarily do stuff like that, but if, if someone says, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna expose the new Gen Z and, and millennials to the world of gangbang films," uh, we'll give you five million dollars. How much? Five million, and we're going to do a gangbang. Uh, I don't know what the uh, you, you know uh, where it's all wrestlers. I don't know. Um, uh, you'd think about it, wouldn't you? Do I get the five million upfront in U.S. dollars, and also I would probably move back to Europe at that point, and then I'd want to know where my five million dollars is going to go versus uh, like French francs or um, Italian lira or something like that. I would want to know how far is it going to go. I'd probably want more money. I'd probably want all the cash up front and I'd probably rip them off or pull some kind of trick just to rip them off. I, I couldn't do it. It's like once your mind's out of a game, it's totally, it's like improv. It's out of the game. It's out of the game. Like you can't get back into that game again. <laughs> right. So, no, I, I don't blame you. But uh, maybe five million will be like, yeah, five, actually, ten. Uh, 10 million then you meet me at 7 7.5 then yeah then we have a deal but i want it up front in cash well i mean never say never jasmine maybe i'm getting you back in no, i'm just kidding no. i don't know with the way you i mean you're hot i imagine you're pretty tall too how tall are you i'm about six to uh you know right 195 right now because i'm taking yoga every day yeah yeah you yeah that's you, you could probably talk me into it maybe whether it happens or not is another thing because yeah, but still. <laughs> well, uh, well uh, we'll keep it on the back burner. Case we'll keep it on the back burner. Just the one woman show is the only thing I'm in love with now more than like any person in this world. 
is just my show and doing the show because I feel like it's really become this therapeutic thing. And I'm sure comedy is therapeutic in a way, despite like, like I get cotton mouth every time I walk out on stage. So it's like one of these things I'm sure comedians deal with like stage fright all the time, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, I get nervous before every show like, but that that's good. I think. Uh, Yeah. You know, probably the one time I didn't get nervous, I bombed uh, my ass off for 10, 15 minutes in the main room at the comedy store. Uh, So, um, you know, that was, well, I was just too comfortable. I had had a string of great shows and I was auditioning for a TV show and I just, I wasn't cocky, but I thought, oh, I got this. This would be no easy breezy. And I just, I didn't get it. Uh, I bombed, uh, you know, I was probably shaking for a year after that show. Like, oh my God, that was, what if that happens again? And uh, so I think it's good you get caught now. Like it, it's good that you, that shows you care enough to want to do well. Yeah. Oh, see, thank you. That's so sweet. Now I feel better about this. Like, every- But it's true, you, you know, like. You look at uh, John Morrison, you know, the one uh, the one time he wasn't nervous was doing the stupid roast battle in the belly room. And uh, he bombed his ass off because he just he thought he had it like I thought I had it that night. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he learned a valuable lesson that night uh, of always be a little nervous, even if you think it's the easiest gig in the world. Um you know. The quote, that's like the quote I'm going to live with now. So always be nervous, even if you think it's the easiest gig in the world, because you don't know what's going to happen. Now, I, well, have yeah. see, I have to see you do your do your stand up live. So where could people actually see you play live, do your stand up? And like, what's your website? Where can people actually stalk you and so forth? I would love it if you stalked me. Oh, uh, I, I am already. Like, I'm like your biggest fan. And don't worry, I'm not going to do anything crazy. I'm not going to become a chuckle fucker, but I can at least imagine. Oh, yeah. There's no harm in that. I, well, I have two shows this week if you're not busy. Um, of course uh, not. <laughs> let, me, let me see. Thursday night, I'm at the comedy mm-hmm. store in the main room uh, at uh, 1015. And Saturday night, I'm at the comedy store in the original room. Uh, which is the the there's three rooms at the comedy store uh the original room's the medium-sized room and by that i think it fits like 275 uh and uh i'm i'm at earl skakel i'll spell it because it's a weird last name e-a-r-l-s-k-a-k-e-l on all social media so it's very easy to if you can't find me then you're either stevie wonder or uh you're not smart like it's Earl Skakel everywhere. It's um, like a hot last name, by the way. That's got to be European. So, yeah, no wonder. It is. It's like, I think it's uh, the full breakdown is Irish, Czech Republic, and uh, German. Um, Skakel. So, uh, but yeah, please come Thursday or Saturday. Yeah, Thursday or Saturday. Uh, and, um, you know, I'll show you around the comedy store. It's, it's the, it's the, I don't know if there's a venue and porn that is legendary like maybe the pussycat theater or now it's a now it's a gay porn theater called the studs theater uh but it's a pretty iconic uh theater uh but the comedy store is it's the number one club in the country so it's it's an honor to perform there a lot and uh i love bringing even though you've been there before like I love uh, having people show up there on a good night. Like Thursday and Saturdays are probably the two best nights. And it, it's, it'll never be like it was in the 80s in terms of mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, because in the 80s, if, as you know, if you wanted to go out and see comedy, you had to go out and see comedy. Now we have Netflix and Comedy Central and Hulu and a thousand TV channels that show stand up. But so it'll never be quite like the glory days of the 80s, but it's pretty good up there right now. So please yeah. come anytime on me, Jasmine. Well, I'll, I'll <laughs> you well, I mean, have a really dirty mind. Trust me. And it's like this early in the morning. Yeah, I've, I have a super dirty mind. Um, but anyway, so <laughs> I have the mind of a 17 year old boy, folks. So, yes. Check out Earl Skako. Go look for him on social media. Uh, you're probably going to drag me out of the house Thursday um, for sure. And oh, please. Yeah, I will. I'll do some I'll do some wrestling jokes. I love uh, uh talking about uh there are some funny uh pro wrestling jokes i do um just talk about hulk hogan's sex tape and uh you know he had a sex tape, he had a sex tape that's ironically just like his wrestling uh moves two basic moves and a shitty finish and uh so uh, and i talk about like being 53 i grew up when wrestling you know there's no internet in the early 80s. So uh, when I met Kamala, the Ugandan giant, who another wrestler who sadly passed, mm -hmm. um, I have a, uh, a miniature Kamala doll. I have. Oh, um, cool. <laughs> I met him uh, when my dad took me backstage to a WWF event. And, you know, I was a little kid at the time. I think I was maybe 11 or 12. And Kamala was a gigantic black dude. He was like six, seven, 400 pounds. And he just motions for me to come over, long story short. And I'm like, mm -hmm. and he says, hello, young man. My name is Jim. I'm like, uh, you're <laughs> supposed to be from Uganda. What are you doing speaking English? And he's like, I'm from Mississippi. I'm like, oh, so I do stupid stories like that. Um, and so please come Thursday. DM me your info and I'll make sure your name's on the list. And anyone else listening, uh, come to the comedy store anytime you see me. I'll, I'll take care of it if you DM me on Instagram and uh, I'll throw in some porn jokes for you. Uh, and uh, we'll have a good time. Okay. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to keep you on here for a second. I'm going to stop the recording. So don't forget to um, check out Earl Skakel wherever you can. And that's one thing we have in common. We, we both sort of had these very, um, small introductions into the adult film business at a uh, at a gangbang the only difference was he wasn't a participant okay i'll see you guys next week on crazy train yeah.